On this episode of Biblio Burrito, Rachel, Dana, Marquita, and special guest Miss BJ discuss the wonderful world of gaming and how libraries play a critical role in sharing this popular trend with their patrons. Cool. So shout out to uh, everybody that rocked with us about a month ago for our first podcast <laughs> episode. It's still in a pandemic. The pandemic isn't over just because you're over it. So, right. But today we're talking about something that's been trending for a couple of years. Um, and us here at the Clayton County Library System are diving headfirst into it. I think we've dibbled and dabbled a little bit in the past. Um, but today we're talking about gaming in the library i mean i guess a general question is why gaming at the library i mean i think you can check out books you can check out dvds why not video games why not be able to if the library or some places is the hangout spot why not invite the teens in and to have video games that gets people in the building or whatever that's that's partnerships um and especially now, since a lot of your video games are starting to become books, they're writing novels about it. Hey, that's a great segue. Hey, you're into Fortnite. Here's a book on Fortnite. Or for like your middle schoolers, oh, you're into Minecraft. Hey, did you know they made Minecraft books? True. Yeah, I know. Um, and well, it'll probably come back up. Um, a little bit, but I saw an advertisement for International Games Week, um, and it started off as just like a day, and I think I first heard about it when I was working in the school library, and um, I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, so I, I looked it up, um, but I extended it for a full week with my students. I think it was just like maybe a day um, yeah, I think it was just one day when it initially started, but I extended it for a full week for my middle school kids. And most of them had never seen, um, I mean, they'd seen like Monopoly and, you know, the general board games and stuff like that, but they had never played, um, sort of, well, I guess it's considered retro now, but like the original Mario Brothers and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have... A, the simulator pack where you basically just play with like the the old school Nintendo controllers with just like the A B button and the directional pad. Mm. Um and they Right? Like they they walked in and they were like, What is this? Where's that Xbox? Where's this? And I was like, No. We're I was like, it's old school. I was like, so it's eight bit, twelve bit games, board games and card games or whatever and I had all kind of books on how um they could create you know or like learn about gaming and careers and creating video games and all that kind of stuff and then I showed them um Sploder where they could create their own sort of games or whatever um and they just like fell in love with it so for me um doing it in the library in the school library anyway felt like I was in some kind of ways exposing them to something they hadn't seen and then supporting the curriculum in their other classes as well so it's just like okay well this game has a story right so you can actually go online and read the story of how this game is supposed to flow if you're reading it you know as if it's a book does it follow you know what you're going you know what you're learning in english class or whatever um 
the you know does it have peaks and you know climaxes and is it something where you can continue the story or is it just you know a complete resolution and stuff like that so i was easy um i was able to easily relate it back to their curriculum and stuff yeah because i mean you have to and i think kids don't fully comprehend the what all goes into a video like it's more than just the mechanics of it it's also the story or whatever like do we get invested in the characters that you're playing you know definitely for the god of war series or whatever like the story is a big part of the game like the gameplay is important or whatever but it's also like okay well why am i fighting all these people or why do i care in a sense so like that story part is a big aspect of the game in a sense or whatever like there's been so many times i've listened to people talk about the game and they're just like i mean like the mechanics was great but like i got bored or i wasn't invested so i didn't want to see the end of the story or whatever the story is what nine out of ten draws you in and makes you complete the whole 20 something plus hours to finish the game because you get invested in the characters mm-hmm. so that's a great way to get kids thinking about you know critical thinking um really breaking down in a sense like the stories that they may not do with a book but they may be able to do with a video and so sometimes it's getting kids to think out of the box or reaching them in a sense to a point that where they're at and sometimes you can't follow the same a and b and c steps that you can with other kids other kids you got to go around the whole map to get them to the same point so and like, why are we trying to fit every kid into a same peg or a same hole? Kids are linear the same way that we as adults are linear. Um, and I also think, you know, when we have to justify, I mean, pretty much anything that libraries do, we have to justify it. But specifically for gaming, it's like in order to play most games, especially like the newer ones, you have to know how to read. Mm-hmm. That's true. So... You know, because you kind of have to read either the captions or the the directions when it the loading screen and all that kind of stuff. So essentially, you have to read in order to know how to f- play accurately. Um, so that in turn promotes um, writing and then also creating content um, about the game that they're interested in. Because I know some people they, you know, especially like new game designers, they're inspired by the story or the backstories of some of the old school games Mm -hmm. and so that plays a role as well um in that so i guess the question would also be are we as librarians gamers like are youtube gamers oh i definitely most definitely (laughs) i mean but then how do you define like are there levels to gamers in that respect there are. There are the casual gamers that, you know, they don't really care what kind of games they play, they just play for fun. And then you have the hardcore gamers who are very about the games, the techniques, the strategies, and, you know, strictly multiplayer or single player, like, they're very much into the game. Yeah. Yeah. Those of us who may have, like, a favorite series or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, Growing up, mine is always Kirby. Mine is Kirby and The Legend of Zelda games. And so, anytime there's a new Kirby game, I have to play the new Kirby. 
every time there's a new Zelda game come, coming out, I have to play the Zelda game. I'm not like as deep into any other like franchise or whatever, but for me, it's for some odd reason, it is Kirby and Zelda are like my two or whatever. And so for other people, it's eh, this game looks interesting or whatever, it looks kind of cool, and I'll check it out or whatever. For other people, like Dana said, it's you know, hardcore. I'm a siege player, and this is what pretty much I do. This is like my career. Whenever they, you know, update the game or it's a new season or whatever, all right, you know, my friends know I gotta go play siege or whatever, <laughs> and pretty much get good at that game. Um, it depends on the person. But then you also have people like, does it just fall under video? Because you have folks who are the same way working or whatever, that they be considered gamers in the same way that we consider people who play video games. Under, I mean, under the, so like International Games Week covers all of it. If it's considered a game, then it falls under that sort of um, purview and stuff. And they have like a whole website dedicated to just that. You can register your events if you're having it because that it's not until it's november 18th through the 14th so all right let me get back to the questions <laughs> um so i guess the next question is kind of um if your library has like gaming events or game nights or anything like that what do those types of events um bring or contribute to the success of the library i would say sometimes it brings in folks that may step foot into your library otherwise um because in a sense you don't know what's going on otherwise so sometimes a kid may not have access to a playstation 4 or whatever or an xbox or a wii or a switch or whatever so you, you know, us having that at the library may be that child's first time or opportunity to actually play a game. Not to mention, gaming is not just one specific age. Like, you have young gamers, you have older gamers, or whatever, and it also can be family-oriented. And so you may get a family that doesn't normally come into your library or is not thinking of your library, but you're promoting game night and you're like, hey, come out and play Monopoly or board games or something like that. And they're like, well, this would be a fun thing to do as a family. And that brings a new group of people into your bank, into your branch, or into your library system. When we've had them before, it just kind of feels like um, it was a place where everyone was included, like nobody was better than the other Um short of when you know the the boys would get <laughs> um well no i'm i'm better at um nba 2k than you are and i can do this and i've got these magical things and it's just like yeah because you've been playing for a long time but on you know at the heart of it you know you guys are about on the same level um but it definitely fostered like relationships um amongst students who normally wouldn't interact with each other um, and I pretty much can, you know, I've seen it when they've done game night 
here at the main library where it's kind of fostered relationships um, between parents um, that, you know, just kind of, like you said, dropped in, had, you know, had really no intention of coming to the library, but they heard about game night um, and ended up walking away. You know, not only are the parents, um, you know, forming a relationship or a bond, but their children are, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of um, shed, sheds a new light on what libraries um, can and are offering. Um, because at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, we want people to use our digital resources and we want people to um, patronize us for our books and materials. But we also just sometimes just want you to come and hang out and take part in you know, non-traditional offerings that libraries are known for. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Jumping back to that question about what may, are there different levels of gamers? I am probably somewhere between casual and mid middle of the road obsessed with games. <laughs> Cause like I can like I'm never going to get to a point where I'll be like okay I'm starting to switch channel you can interact with me while I play this game like that's just not my thing or whatever um, I admire people who can do it because um, I would be so worried about how I look playing the game or whatever and then complete yeah completely forget that other people are watching and then I I don't know do something silly. And now it's out on the internet forever and it might become a gif or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I for sure will like, so Tekken is my jam. <laughs> that I, Tekken, um, pretty much any of those like fighting games. So like Tekken number one, Mortal Kombat, and then Street Fighter, anything along though that vein, um, and then Xbox has one that used the connect the fighter within where you, like your whole body was a controller. Oh, wow. Oh, my. I, I love it. Um, but yeah, so anything in that vein, I will either actively on purpose buy and probably not even play it. Like I went and bought the newest um, Tekken and I still haven't cracked it open, but I know that it's there because I'm a super fan of that franchise or whatever mm-hmm. same with Mortal Kombat bought the newest Mortal Kombat played it same day um beat it in a couple of days or whatever and now I just go back and play for fun oh, cool. but yeah so I'm somewhere in the middle but then I'm also always open to new types of gaming like when VR first hit and you could actually do VR gaming um that was cool and still is um my my Oculus Quest 2 will be here Saturday. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then it's just like, okay, well, you got VR now. And then they had like the Kinect and the, the Wii and stuff where you could, you know, where basically you would use your whole body to play. It's like, where do you go from from there? It's like, how do you take gaming to the next level? Because right now... Um, they pretty much have like total body VR where you're in a full simulator or whatever where you, you know, kind of have to run around. I think it's like 
laser tag, but it's VR. Mm. So it's like, where, where now do you take? So yeah, it's just like, where do you, where do you, where do you go next with stuff like that? I don't know. Stuff to, stuff to think about. Oh. It'll be, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, I don't have PlayStation 5 my own, but, you know, I'm excited to see what, like, the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox looks like. Definitely graphics, looking at games and how lifelike it is. Well, you look at the characters, like, my mom was just like, are you, like, she'll see my brother playing, and she's like, are you, are you guys, like, watching a movie? I'm like, no, it's a game. <laughs> but I, I'm like, these people look, like, real, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Cool. I've seen some of the stills from the games that are in the, the Xbox Series X one. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, there's no way I would want to play. If I got one of those, there's no way I would play it on anything less than a 4 or 5K TV. Yeah, he had to be on the TV. And it has to be... He was just like, it's not going to look as good if you have, like, an older version of a TV. You gotta get the TV. So you can't play it on, like, a Fatback from 1988? What? No. Like, no, it's not going to work. So one of the other questions is how do you combat people who think that games and gaming don't belong in libraries? Like they have no place whatsoever in what libraries have to offer. I mean, that kind of sort of goes to the libraries for everyone. Or whatever. Like, it's not yours. Unless people like to think that it's your personal library, it's not. It's not. Don't discriminate or whatever. The same way that somebody might think that about us having the trashy romance novels on the shelf. They don't believe those should be in the library or whatever. It's just kind of like if that's not if that's not in your avenue and that's not what you're interested in, you don't have to participate. You know, it, why deny somebody else just because that's what you feel? You know, um, but also I would try to encourage that person just come out and try it. Like, don't hate on it if you've never tried it before, in a sense. Like, if you've never tried to come in and do, you know, play a video game or whatever, then come out and try it. See, you may enjoy yourself. You may find a whole new avenue or whatever. Um, but yeah, the library is for everybody, you know, the same way it's. As it's for adults, it's also for kids. So we can't discriminate just based off of someone's feelings of, well, I don't believe that the library should offer games. We value everyone's opinion because the library is for everyone. That means you're right. That's the PC response anyway. Exactly. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it, it brings to mind the term visual literacy, mm-hmm. um, which basically is like you can make meaning or interpret meaning from information presented in like an image um, or a video, um, which is basically an extension of written or printed um, text and stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, literacy is not just words on a page or whatever. So, you know, there's there's all kinds of literacy now, right? So there's visual literacy, which I mentioned, um, social literacy, media literacy. Like there's a bunch of different ways where people can become literate. That's why you know when I do presentations, sometimes you know it's not just 
text on you know the 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 powerpoint or whatever right like sometimes you got to incorporate some videos you got to incorporate um visual imagery that corresponds to whatever it is that you're verbally saying or whatever is the highlight text on that slide because not everybody learns one way so you have mm-hmm. to you know try to ed- to be as inclusive as possible of of the different learning styles and i think that playing through a game while also learning kind of if you're so I'm a visual person right like I Mm -hmm. do not enjoy reading instructions um and following along and so I'm glad that companies like Lego for example now have visual directions right Mm -hmm. so they have very little words they just show you the picture and they tell you what you need and what it should look like. And if yours doesn't look like the picture, then you're doing it wrong. So that's how we're teaching um, my daughter now because she has Legos. And so I'm like, does it look like the picture? If it doesn't, then take it apart and try it again. But make sure you have all the pieces first, right? Like this says you have two yellows. You only have one yellow. The picture says you need four greens. You have two greens and one red. Like that's not, you don't have the materials that you need. Um and so it's it's easier to teach when when you can visually see it um, and then incorporate, you know, the words and stuff that go along with it. Yeah, especially since that's necessary if you get Ikea furniture. That's how you put Ikea furniture. Do not shade Ikea. How dare you? But I need Ikea to like take it a step up and actually put some written directions on top of that too. Um so yeah, do a combination of both Ikea. Help us out. <laughs> right. some, of them, some of them photos are rough. <laughs> I mean. And I like to put my dresser together. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But yeah, I, I, I like the introduction of video games into the library. Because again, it kind of sort of moves us into the 21st century or whatever is like bringing in something that's popular as well as I think people tend to forget that's also steam related yes or whatever and that is kind of the thing that everybody is pushing is steam related stuff why would you deny a child an opportunity to learn some steam related stuff not to mention which we don't highlight as much is it's hard but you can make a career out of being a gamer. Yes, mm-hmm. you can. Or whatever, which is something that not a whole lot of people know about and is definitely a fast-growing marketplace. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like... it's a professional gamer. Yeah. And it doesn't... Like, even if you create your game, it doesn't have to be, you know something as complex as you know resident evil or something like that like Mm -hmm. flappy bird made so much money (laughs) (laughs) and then not to thinking about especially now with the introduction of steam or whatever is that's a platform that's allowing a lot of people who may not have gotten their game into your bigger markets like um, Nintendo or Sony or mm-hmm. some of these other big big time gaming companies or whatever but Stardew Valley mm-hmm. or whatever right now you know Among Us, Fall Guys in a sense are like shoot Fortnite 
I was about to say Fortnite. <laughs> Whatever. It's just like that some people sat around, hey, let's build a game and now they are like billionaires mm-hmm. or whatever just by coming up with like this new game which is just amazing now so it's a hard field and it takes like a lot of work and a lot of patience and a lot of trial and error but that's another avenue for kids who may not want to do the whole college you know career and stuff like that like don't don't discourage your kids just because your kid is into video games like definitely have them go outside and get some air get some sun (laughs) or whatever but that's an avenue that that's a career for your kid because there's there's a lot of people making a buttload of money should libraries actively find ways to engage um, the community of gamers that surround them or is it enough to just say hey we've got games on the shelf or whatever at some point you may be able to check them out or at the very least you can come in once a week or twice a month and do game night and then that's it I mean yeah why not I I think well I mean it depends on what kind of game because most gamers are so you know how you're stuck in your environment mm. you, you deal with the public you gotta, you gotta share you gotta talk so I think maybe a, a game night, um, I think that'll be cool. I just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I can see people participating in a game night, getting them out of their shell, especially now with, you know, what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to a lot, honestly, as often as games come out, it's re- it'll be really hard and very expensive to keep up with the slew of games that come out on a daily. Mm-hmm. And then you still have, you do have, now that they've crossed over some gaming platforms, Steam is now introduced where people can play certain games on console and computer, but you have some people who are strictly one or the other. Mm-hmm. So it would, it, you would really be catering, you would have to cater strictly to, by the time you cater to all the Nintendo people, those games are now outdated. People have already won them, found all the Easter eggs, and they're moving on to something else. So it would be difficult. You would definitely, it's, it's just expensive. I guess you could probably, like I said, you could reach out to those groups or whatever, because then that's also a way for them to bring in new members or get new people interested in their in the games or in the groups or whatever. But then, like um, BJ said, it is hard to get sometimes gamers to come out of their nice, comfy little bubble you know, or, or their setup that they have at home to have them come out and, in a sense, get into a new setup. Because like she said, you you do have to share. And that's kind of sort of, we don't, unfortunately, we don't have an endless amount of money where you can have four or five PlayStations set up <laughs> or whatever in one room. Mm. It's nine times out of 10, you have one gaming system and you may have 20 people in there and then it's ugh, all right well if we're doing Tekken that means like y'all get one match and then you have to pass the controller on and stuff like that so that can get kind of frustrating or whatever especially if you have a setup at home you'd be like well why am I out here right right now one thing I can say the the library has always been very successful with are doing cons I know now people at GameCon if you knew um you know, like just set up. Now that would be pretty awesome. Yes. 
Now, at GameCon, you would bring out everyone because who's not interested in what's coming out that's new? And that's when I believe Rachel was saying it earlier, when you can appeal to some of the smaller, the people who haven't went really mainstream, but like Flappy Bird, I think you were saying something like that, Rachel, or mm-hmm. new game developers, invite them front stage. Because I know there's a really popular program like the uh, independent author or indie author. Same thing with gamers. That'll give them time to kind of get some exposure, but at the same time, it's a game con. So any 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 type of game, computer game, uh, board game, you know, I would like to attend something like that. Boom! CCLS Game Con Summer 2021. As long as COVID's gone, <laughs> right? And it's definitely something you can do virtually. You can. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's um, a way that you can reach out to the mainstream games they're always looking for people to test content maybe say hey let's let's premiere something you can you can find somebody who would be willing to premiere just a few seconds of a new game because that's more people they can buy it from ubisoft or even if or something more appropriate I, ubisoft has a lot of they like, do. Uh, games for adults yeah mm-hmm. it's anything you know and there's always like sub you know um you know how like major book publishing companies have like uh like sub imprints or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, so I mean you could very well be acquired by you know a smaller imprint um, under you know Ubisoft or EA Sports or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then like your overarching is you know the the primary parent company and stuff, which is kind of what you want to focus on, right? So it's the same thing um, or similar to independent publishing like before it was frowned upon if you tried to go out and be an indie author right like do everything yourself find somebody to print it distro marketing and all that like the goal was to get signed by a major publishing house and let them handle everything for you but in the end the only thing you got was your advance and then pennies on the dollar for every book you sold now you know with um of course amazon but then you have um library centered um, databases like BiblioBoard and self, their self-e platform. Um, oh, there's another one, Scribed, where you can basically just upload your story and put it out there for the masses. And if somebody wants a hard copy, they pay to have it printed and then you get more money on the back end. So that's kind of the trend now. Um, but then there are a bunch of authors that split the difference, right? So they're they're independently published but they have a distribution deal with major um, publishers that will print mass market for them and distribute it um, worldwide. So then they don't have to worry about they don't have to worry about the printing of the materials or the shipping and handling and you know getting it from California to you know Russia or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, so and that's kind of the same way with you know games right now like um i mentioned sploder earlier well they have an actual platform builder um segment in their website so you essentially can build your game and then upload it into the you know the either i'm pretty sure i don't know if it's google play but i know you can do it in the the apple store 
So you're building and creating your own game. Yeah, it's going to look similar to somebody else that's probably used the same platform. But Mm -hmm. what what makes yours stand out is, you know, what does your graphics look like in the background, right? What Mm -hmm. what's your playability? What happens to the character if they get hit by an enemy? Do they explode? Do they just disintegrate? Does it like blink or whatever do you can continue to play like with mario if you're big mario and then you get hit by an enemy you just shrink and now you're tiny and now you gotta go find um a mushroom or whatever to make you bigger again stuff like that you know what i mean yeah i also think gaming tournaments like i (laughs) once hopefully once covid is done and we're back to actually doing in-person stuff Mm-hmm. or whatever, I am excited to do a gaming tournament between all of the libraries um, and in a sense have the best of each branch so that can bring out, you know, mm-hmm. not only people who play games at home, because <laughs> especially now we know the whole thing, especially with the fighting games, is bragging rights. Yes. Um, or whatever. And so to bring out the different game gamers that are at each library and have them compete against each other to be see who's the best out of the branch. And then all those um, teens or adults meet and you see who's the best for the whole library system and do like a belt or something. Um, but let that be in a sense like an annual thing is, you know, all right, who's the best at this game? Um, mm-hmm all the branches have Mario Kart, who's the best, you know, player for Mario Kart, who's the best, you know, Mortal Kombat player, who's the best um, NBA whatever 2K year (laughs) 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 that we have, because they put out one every single year. They do. Um, You know, whatever the current version is, who's, who's the best out of that, because that's something to really get the kids to you know, the patrons to look forward to is having, you know, your name somewhere like, oh, I didn't beat all these people to be the best of Clayton County. And that's bragging right. Yeah, I hope when they do, I mean, because NBA 2K21, I think is already out or is about to come out fairly mm-hmm. soon. Um, But I hope when they do like 22 that <laughs> they have people like wearing masks and stuff oh yeah definitely they're in the Disney bubble (laughs) they're like (laughs) right like before you like once you get like drafted to a team you have to go and take like the COVID test or whatever and then you have to go in the (laughs) bubble but um Rachel had a great idea I believe speaking just you know as a member of the community if the, the library was to jump in on the bandwagon of Among Us (laughs) <laughs> and just hold you can open it you can have private or just play mm-hmm. public and just send out a code each night kind of like I really miss those cahoots that you used to do Marquita those are so much fun for me but um <laughs> how you used to send a code out for people who wanted to play and you're in you're in you're out you're out you just participate and maybe just see we might want to do one with the board members <laughs> or you know with the right youth now. services <laughs> <laughs> but it it would garner definitely attention because I have not yet heard of anyone doing that yet. But it's yeah. fun, yeah, and it's free. It's yeah. free on mobile. It's um, five dollars on Steam. Is there? Does the library have 
any equipment that records gaming or not yet. Yes. <laughs> so you, you do have OBS. Because I remember a few years ago it was one of the things. I know Marquita, you was looking at, uh, you know, game capture or. Yeah, we, we, so yeah, we, on the gaming laptops that we have, um, generously purchased with LibTech funding from the Georgia Public Libraries uh, services. Thanks. Yeah, most of them have OBS already, so we can do screen capture and audio capture as well from a single screen like that. But also the Acer Predator tower that we have, when we play certain games um, in VR, we can screen, we can capture the gameplay as well from that tower. I miss that. I don't miss lugging it to set up, but I girl, (laughs) I want to order. probably a laptop that's already VR ready and that way it'll make it easier for us but then we would also have to purchase an additional either that or just like buy a bunch of um Oculus Quest um and then the because the carrying case for that is like it's a book bag so we could literally get like five and it's just a book bag you just throw it over your shoulder like a continental soldier um my ears don't hang well though but uh, see, we're not all books and and seriousness in the library. Some of us are funny. Anyway, <laughs> I really think it's a whole new generation out there. Not and, and people. We actually had a discussion with the the my colleagues that I work with about libraries and technology and how the pandemic has basically, without any assistance from librarians, already restructured how we, you know treat patrons Mm -hmm. and you already can see there was a very a visionary um what's her name i think her name is well i'll just call her gooch who had already put some things into play before pre-pandemic and i think some of those ideas you had pre-pandemic would really work out now with patrons especially since we can't be as hands-on as we used to be i really think implementing a lot of that stuff would get more people interested in getting back in because one lady was like, well, I can't make copies of print, so why do I need to go to the library for it? Yeah. I had a nice 53-minute conversation on Zoom with her, so she just logged off, child. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was a free Zoom, so it was getting, it was countdown anyway. So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I that... That's be great. Yeah. Um, if you can, BJ, can you talk about, like, when you did work in the library, what the what it was like to circulate video games and how that came about? Oh, so, okay. So many, many years ago when I was in Alabama. So I was um, the the media librarian, um, circ manager for the media, audiovisual. And one of the things that um, I noticed is this, that was when PlayStation 3 and it going into 4 was very popular the we had just literally came out and i always saw how kids would come in and wanted to check out games and we didn't have it so i started doing my research and i noticed that there was a a california library in california that it started checking out video games and it was very popular because just like i mentioned earlier video games are very expensive so parents are not going to just shell out every two weeks 65 dollars because you know the kids are going to be done playing it in 10 days once they beat it, it's over with. And they don't want to consistently play. So libraries started checking out video games for free. So I um, hit up California and asked for them to send me a copy of their, you know, any paperwork, um, 
circulation, anything like that, dealing with it to see if it was doable for us. Then from there, I said, okay, well, how can I, what can I do? So I went and talked to GameStop and GameStop was like, hey, we'll partner with you. Uh, we'll donate, you know, like so many hundreds of dollars of games to you of all these formats. And then that'll at least start your collection off. And I was like, great. So then when I presented it to the director and you know, how you have to go through the whole, like all the directors. And once you finally reach the city of Oz, after going through that yellow brick road of directors, they said, okay, great. Pick it off. If it flies, great. If it fails, you're going to be responsible. So I was like, wait, what? So I did all my research, um, got the board to vote in the circulation policies, everything. We got the games, we labeled them. We pretty much treated the games like we did the DVDs with the locks. We kept the cases out for display, the games behind the shelf. And when we first announced it, literally every, each location had the same amount of games. We had 50 games, um, like 15 of one platform, 15, so forth. We stayed, they, I mean, when literally by the time they came in, we cleaned them, put them back on the shelf, they stayed checked out. And then we started for the newer games, we put a purchase price on there of $2. We literally raised so much money to purchase our own games that eventually six months in the board voted a line item just to video games. Because they didn't even, they didn't see it as they saw it as blasphemous to have games, but they eventually wrote it in as a line item. So now we have budgeting to order and now it's just one of the highest circulating products in the library, so. Nice. So what you're saying is you eased on down that road to video games to the library. <laughs> Let me tell you, you got to be like Dorothy. It, it might be a little scary. You might even have to face a few, a few flying monkeys, but <laughs> and it worked out what was best for the patrons. So And so they walked out singing, can't you fill a brand new day? It, 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 and when I tell you, so many kids, not only, you know, did they get into video games, but one lady, we actually did the... Y'all remember We Fit when it first came out? Mm-hmm. So yeah, was, was like, well, I didn't know they had a games for a kid, for adults. I said, oh, yeah, you can work out on this. You know, attach it, do this. That We Fit, so many people, men and women, moms and dads, checked out that We Fit, and then they would use the We Fit. And then when the We Fit was checked out, we said, hey, well, while it's out, you know we have workout DVDs over there. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you know we have eBooks that you can just download right onto your phone or your tablet with recipes. So we use that kind of like as a way to advertise other products. We just tie it in. Nice. Cross promotion. That's what it's all about. Which again is the goal of engagement, right? Like at mm -hmm. the heart of everything, libraries have a responsibility to engage all of their patrons. Um, the Colorado State Library and the Colorado Department of Education actually has a really good PDF. Um, it's like 14 pages that basically um, walks you step by step in how to build or introduce gaming into your library and how to build um, a relationship between the community um, and the the library itself now it's old because they have pricing for like the nintendo wii's and the xbox 360 but it's still sort of relevant right like smash brothers um has a new game or a new version of it um i'm pretty sure there's a new version of the zuma fitness that they mentioned but it also gives like tips and tricks for um running a successful program and then it gives you like an introduction of 
um, how to introduce games, you know. Um, I mean, of course, the kids are going to know, like, what the games are, but also how to include the parents um, mm-hmm. in in learning about, you know, games and how their kids' teachers can incorporate games and probably should incorporate games. Um, mm-hmm. I did a presentation a week ago. It was last week. <laughs> on using something like Nearpod in your classroom. Um, And Nearpod has it where you can build in essentially games to review sections of your lesson. And so it keeps it from being just straightforward. Here's the information. I'm the teacher regurgitating the information to you. Now you repeat it back to me. um, And now we're done. Take a test or a quiz. with Nearpod, you can cover a little bit at a time and then break it up in the middle and see what your students have retained um, in real time. Like you can actually tell who was paying attention and who wasn't, who tried to click out of the, or who did click out of the lesson and then try to jump back in and stuff like that. So it's a really good tool um, and it's kind of free, um, but it, they do have paid versions, but I still use a free version. I think, I think Kahoot would be a nice thing for whatever. Is, is like you do a lesson or whatever and to see like which kids actually paid attention or still on top of that do just the basic comprehension aspect of it is like all right so now you know you've had time we're gonna do a kahoot game or whatever um but yeah i think like doing a kahoot game at like the end of a lesson would be a neat thing for teachers to add in Well, and now they have it where you can actually do, so like before I was doing live trivia and stuff because we were all at home, but then I did like a couple of, um, it was a challenge basically. So it didn't need a host, like they just needed to go to the link and then they could, it would do the same thing like you were playing a live Kahoot or whatever. So you had the timer, the timer and everything. And if, you know, you incorporated music, it had all of that. Um, but teachers are doing that now too. So it's just like, okay, I'm going to teach you this, you know, we're in this module. And then after two weeks, um, I'm going to post the lesson review or whatever, but you can play it through Kahoot and, um, you know, challenge yourself and then challenge your classmates to see, you know, who scores the highest and this, that, and the other. Um, but then it also generates, um, a detailed report for that, um, educator to see okay well all the students missed this one question about George Washington but everybody got these four questions right about Abraham Lincoln you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it helps them like further develop their um lessons and stuff and it's not boring like and it's again thinking out of the box yes Mm -hmm. whatever which I think (laughs) especially during COVID, we all kind of sort of had to do is thinking out of the box, how to still engage people, not just teachers, how to engage your students, but also librarians. How do we still engage our patrons without our patrons maybe coming in the building or with us not having in-person stuff anymore? And so I, I think this is a, <laughs> I think this is a great time and it's well, it's been stressful and a little frustrating. It's also been very fun as well, kind of sort of coming up with new stuff. Have y'all ever heard of Gen Con? Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't think so. So Gen Con is apparently the largest tabletop game convention 
in North America in terms of attendance and the number of events. So Ooh. it's in it's uh, blah, 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 blah. Indianapolis. So it's a it's features traditional pen and paper board and card games, including role playing games, miniature war games, live action role playing games, collectible card games, and strategy games. So the next one is in two hundred and eighty nine days. So twenty twenty one. All right. But it's like a whole thing. That's cool, though. I mean, for research, can we can we go? <laughs> I'm down. I want to go to South by Southwest. Oh, Ooh. so fun! That too. That's amazing. That. I, well. I went to Pax East, which was mm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, one year, and I'd I'd love to go back. Because um, it was just it was just cool going minus like me and um, my bestie, <laughs> we went together to when they went to um, Dallas, mm. um, and no, it was San Antonio. I'm sorry, it was San Antonio. Um, but it was just neat, like walking around because we went because she was getting into streaming, so we kind of sort of went to see you know, like what products were around and everything else, um, as well as some of which my fiance got us both into, which is rooster teeth. Um, and we're more into, we like the whole company, but our group is Achievement Hunter. So if you haven't checked them out, definitely check them out. Um, but they pretty much do video games. And so some of the people were actually gonna come out and do a panel whatever, which was part of the reason why we went. We ended up like not going to any of the panels. Um, <laughs> we just kind of sort of walked the floor and really got into seeing like your newer games. Like you had Nintendo out there. So I think that was before the Switch came out. And so they had like the Switch there for you to like test out mm-hmm. or whatever and play. And of course, like we didn't get a chance to because that was where everybody was or whatever but like seeing like the big gaming companies be out there um and everything as well as like smaller folks who hey here's this graphics card that we have you can test it out or you know we're trying to come up with this video game if you want to play and you know see how it works and like the mechanics and everything else so PAX East if you're like I I think it would be nice to start sending librarians there as well as like we send folks like we go to ALA and like our own stuff in houses to allow librarians to like go out to like PAX East or like South by Southwest or you know the gaming convention that you had mentioned Marquita like I think that would be a great mm-hmm. you know thing for us to start doing so how would library staff who want to attend these um, non-traditional conferences convince their supervisor or whomever is in charge of you know travel and training funding that stuff like this is important even though it looks like it's nothing but fun we're actually going um, to learn and be on the level of a Seattle public library that does you know game um consistent gaming nights and days at their library or even the one in um, like Utica, Colorado, like I mentioned earlier, there's a 
bunch of different library systems that are you know on this gaming trend how how do you basically convince them that it's not a waste of funds to to go to something like that yeah i don't know either <laughs> i have no idea i i well it's a way for us to stay on trend like if you don't go to these conferences how are you going to know what's up and coming what's being created what people are interested in so i think there's value in going to these conferences so that we can stay abreast of any new developments that are going on in the gaming industry yeah what if their superior doesn't think that gaming is worthwhile i think probably building a foundation and it's, it's like what bj did or whatever is yes. do do your research mm-hmm. see what other library systems are doing you know reach out to the team that you have in your area or if you have like a gaming group in your area reach out to that gaming group see if you can get them to like you know hey if you if you guys have this stuff, we, you know, we don't mind coming in and, you know, doing like board game night or whatever at your branch. Like, in a sense, unfortunately, and, and this is kind of a little bit of the draining aspect of librarianship is sometimes you got to you gotta go out and actually get the people and, and put it on the people, have the people if that's what your patrons want sometimes your voice may not be as important as if you got a group of patrons who you technically are responsible to Mm. or whatever going to that director hey we would like to have a gaming group here and i mean i know your branch uh has a lovely promotional video talking about gaming club unfortunately (laughs) that that got put on the back burner because of you guessed it covid COVID. That's the word of the day, kids. <laughs> um, but you are planning to bring it back or bring it into, I don't know, the present at some point, but virtually, yes? Yes. Yay. Okay. Definitely. So be looking on, on the lookout for that, folks. Virtual uh, gaming club. You can All you need is a smartphone to join in yeah. on the fun. So that'll be coming soon. Probably in January. I'll probably start it like in the new year. So that gives me a couple of months to, you know, get some, get a decent amount of games, mm-hmm. um, test it in-house, see what bugs right. are there in a game before rolling it out to the public. Because I think that's a fun, it's a fun way for families to get engaged and still do something. But everybody has to have like some kind of smart device especially if your kids are doing virtual school Mm -hmm. um, or whatever. So a nice way for families to unplug in a sense or whatever, compete against other families. Right. Have some fun. So I think a a new change of pace in the new year. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, some people often forget that libraries for some families are their only connection to entertainment um you know by way of at you know at its earliest probably vhs checkouts and then migrating to dvds and then when um 
music CDs were still a thing, like being able to come in and check out, you know, a handful of CDs and then copy them real quick to your computer and then turn them back in. (laughs) Now records are starting. Yes. Mm hmm. Or whatever. So yeah, that's that's kinda kinda interesting. Yeah. Now you're seeing some library lump some libraries check out records. Exactly. So yeah, lumping it back to um edutainment. So entertainment that is also educational, which we can totally do with gaming. Yeah. And like I said, doesn't matter how you get them in the door, as long as you're getting them in the door, because can't introduce them to the great databases or the great ebooks or the books that you have on the shelf. They're not walking in the door. Right. Um, we tried to do it in the last podcast, but we were specifically talking about um, the old guard. So I guess we kind of recommended that people go and read um, the old guard as a as it relates back to literacy. But there is a book um, called Games and Libraries, Essays on Using Play to Connect and Instruct that basically gives insight to our whole discussion for today, which is, yes, gaming is fun. Um, Other library systems have proven that it is successful, um, but it's not just about, you know, coming in and playing. Um, it, It really is about fostering a different form of literacy and education. So that is our book recommendation for this podcast. I'm pretty sure there are a plethora of similar titles that are out there that you can peruse at your leisure. Also visual, if you are a visual person, definitely check out uh, Netflix's documentary High Score, which is all about video games. So that, that one was a fun one to watch, especially going back and looking at you know a lot of the old games and you know the innocence like the history of gaming because side note what was your first system if you played on the system what was your first system that you played on atari Ooh, i think mine was nintendo Mm, in television i'm sorry oh what yes it was like the other it was before i think atari was in television. That was the name of the system. My parents were, my parents were gamers, so like we, ha- I have played literally on every single system because my parents were gamers. So like it started, and my mom was like the biggest one. So she was like, her and my dad would go to like the arcade or whatever in the middle of the night and play video games in the arcade. Aww. Or whatever, and so that just kind of so like we had in television, we had Atari, we had Nintendo, we had Super Nintendo, we had a Sega, we even had a Dreamcast. <laughs> a Dreamcast. Oh, I remember Dreamcast. <laughs> Woo! Or whatever. But yeah, we legit like my parents were the ones who introduced like me and my brother into gaming. They they still make it. They just call it. Um, it it's called. In Amico now, I guess that's the newest system. Yeah, that's the one that looked like like a like a uh, like them brown uh, cordless phones. Yes, oh whatever. But you can. It's interesting. I'm I'm like contemplating on going back. You know how you can go into Walmart and they have like the old Atari. Yes, and they have like the old like in television games. Like part of me wants that. I mean, we still have like quite a few of the cart the Nintendo cartridges and stuff 
to have yeah i'm looking at like the intellivision amico like the gameplay it it looks it doesn't look half bad mm -hmm. for the new one anyway i mean the you know the, the old school version is something to be desired but <laughs> the, the new one wait i'm sorry this looks like nemo what you can do cornhole oh i am so ordering one of these <laughs> i've never heard of this before where have i yeah. been it was yeah. in the yeah it yeah i i didn't know that that's what it was called the first one i ever played on was an atari and then we got the um the the original nes mm -hmm. or whatever and then super nintendo and then i completely switched to like sega like i didn't want anything to do with nintendo after that um and then playstation mm yeah like we we would have remember like the psps and like the, little, yep. the handheld stages yeah we had those yep. i listen there's a meme that comes around every so often about that original game boy and the struggle you try if you try to play it in like the dark or something like that oh god <laughs> you have to be in a well-lit area <laughs> Brett or like like one of them was just like he he remembered like trying to play Tetris or whatever on like a road trip at night and you could only make the moves like once you pass the street light. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. It tried to do like all the the hard moves like it's like okay street light's coming, okay I can do this, 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 and this, and then just like winging it for the rest of the way. <laughs> um Oh, kids will never know the struggle. Never. Okay. We'll never know the struggle. <laughs> cool. Of blow, blowing in the cartridge. What? Oh. Listen, I have to stack mine. I have to put one game in and put another game on top to get it to work sometimes. Facts. <laughs> yep. Little rubber band to keep it in there. Mm -hmm. yep. 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 I Cartridges are one thing, like blowing in it. But then like when the discs came out and you had to <sighs> like to. Yeah. <laughs> You had to do the full-on boob clean. Yeah. Come on, come on. Right. Just like, please play. Please play. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. Ugh, the pain of, like, getting a brand new game and then having the disc be scratched or whatever. Uh, or having somebody, like, leave it in the player or whatever. And then, because the laser is, like, still kind of warm once you turn it mm -hmm. off. And mm -hmm. then it, it scratches it and ruins the play that way. It's just like, no. But now it's just like, meh, I'll just download it. Yeah, yeah. Because I still won't forget, I think, <laughs> my cousin Rob um, was another gamer out of our family. And, oh, God, I can't think of the game, but I know it was a fighting game and, like, it had swords or whatever. Mm -hmm. I can't think of the name of it. Oak Caliber? Maybe. Or whatever. But he, like, it took him some months to get like all the characters and like all the swords. So he finally beat it. Um, and one of my cousins came over and he was like, hey, can I play? And he's like, yeah, like let me set you up with a new account or whatever. Like don't save over this one account. Do oh, another. Oh, no. Came back, wiped everything. <gasps> no. So pissed. The struggle. And I'm like, oh, Yikes. God. <laughs> oh. I know that feeling. Oh. Insert Michael Jordan crying meme. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It it's almost as bad as like getting to the final level of Sonic. 
but there was no save option. You could just pause it and you had to leave it on if you wanted Mm -hmm. to come back and play. And my mom was like, yeah, no, we're not going to leave this on all all day. So I was like, well, I I don't want to (laughs) go. It's like, if I'm going to, like, if I'm going to die in the game, I would rather die, like, trying to win it than just have you turn it off. For real. So shout out to... Right. The of how many times he has run into these run into these nails and I've lost all these coins <laughs> so many times and then like trying to like just keep him tucked in his little ball to beat um, Dr. Robotnik and stuff like that it's just like Ugh. come on yeah just let me just let me win please or at least try oh so many things so many games so little time mm-hmm. cool um, I think that's our episode. I mean, we've been going for like what a good hour and twenty yeah. minutes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. All right. Um, final thoughts. Any 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 hot games that you're just obsessed with right now? I have been playing Genshin Impact almost every day. It's free to download on PS4 and PC, nice. and I have been having so much fun with it. It's a blast. <laughs> Rachel. I'm still Animal Crossing. <laughs> it's November. It's like, oh my bad. It's October. It's Halloween season in like Animal Crossing. So, Ooh. and I have pumpkins now. And yeah, yeah. I do have a new villager I have to kick out. So. <laughs> um, yeah. I, no yeah, I am still taking my sweet, precious time with, um, Tripwire's Maneater. Mm, nice. Um, and had the great pl- pleasure of meeting uh, one of their product directors uh, Sunday and got to fangirl out a little bit about um, Maneater and stuff. Um, and he actually worked on the game. So that was just like full on just nerded out about it. <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah. super cool. Yeah, and he was super. He's a super nice guy and everything. So yay! Um, cool. That's our episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biblio Burrito. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And we'll see you next time.